welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Whether it's physical or emotional, at some point, all of us have been imprisoned with hardship. How we deal with it determines whether we stay trapped in that prison or not. Join us now as we complete our journey in Acts chapter 16 with Cheryl Broderson. Part three of Cheryl's message, When Things Appear to Go Wrong. I have so many limitations. I have so many faults. And if I go introspective, I can't find one reason why God should love me. I can't find one reason why Jesus died on the cross for me. I can't find any reason why he should bless me or love me or deliver me or be so good to me or give me Brian Broderson as a husband or why I should live in my house or have my wonderful pillow. I can't even find a reason for my pillow. My pillow is like one of my best friends. I love my pillow. It goes with me every place. But I don't deserve my pillow. I really don't deserve the least of God's blessings. But does that stop him? Does he say, you know what? She doesn't deserve it. Give it to that lady. (laughs) She's been a lot better than Cheryl. No. He keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. And he's so good. I just keep saying, Lord, I don't deserve this. I don't even trust him enough with his goodness. When he's being good, I'm like, okay, when's this going to stop? How long are you going to keep this up? Because I don't deserve it, right? And I'm, I'm going through a situation. I know you delivered me every single time for the last 53 years. But, you know, there's always a time. No, God is absolutely faithful. And nothing depends on me. I say all this to say when you're in the cave, when you're in the prison, when you're in the stocks, it's not the time to go introspective. It is the time to do what Paul and Silas did. It's the time to look up. We're told that they were praying and singing hymns in the prison. What were they praying? I believe they were interceding for Philippi. I believe that they were praying for that city and for the salvation. Maybe they were even praying for the jailer. Maybe they were praying for the other prisoners. Hymns. They were singing hymns. Now, hymns are not just a song. They weren't just singing. And it's not just praise. In the early church, because most of the people in the early church were illiterate, they couldn't read. In order for them to know the word of God, in order for them to know doctrine, they would put it to a hymn and they would teach the people hymns. And those were the doctrines, the deity of Christ, salvation, the work of the cross, the coming of Jesus again, 
all of that was put into hymns. When you read through the epistles that Paul wrote, you will often find Paul quotes some of these hymns, especially in 1 Timothy 3.16. He's saying, you know, that Jesus, that God was manifested in the flesh, died on a cross, seen of angels, resurrected, seen of angels. And what is he doing? He's quoting a hymn of the early church. So Paul and Silas are praying and they are singing the gospel. They're singing about what God has done and who God is and the love of God to send his only son, Jesus. They're singing about Jesus being the Messiah. And what do we hear? The prisoners are listening. Do you think those prisoners ever heard anything like that before? They're screaming. They're cursing. They're blaming They're probably blaming all the gods. Oh, curse Zeus and strike Hermes. They're probably going through just a litany of curses. And here are these men beaten in stocks, praying for them and singing about the goodness of God, singing songs of hope and meaning and purpose. Obviously, those prisoners were so affected Because we're told when the earthquake happened and every every door in that prison was open and every shackle and every chain fell off and the prisoners could run and riot out of that prison, they just stayed right where they were. Something so grand, something so glorious was taking place that nobody was ready to move because God had come down and shown that everything that was prayed, everything that was sung was absolutely true. You see, when you're in prison... And you begin to turn your attention to God and to others. You begin to intercede for others. And you begin to rehearse who your God is and what he's done. Great things happen. One, others are listening. Others are watching. In fact, sometimes people can't hear the gospel when everything is going great in your life. Sometimes they need you to be still and they need to see you in hard times because it's in these hard places that they see God working on your behalf. You see, this isn't because somebody sinned. This is for the glory of God that he might be revealed who he is, what he's like. Because wouldn't you agree with me that the world has the wrong idea about our God? That they see him as a moralist. You know, he's, he's like the mean Santa Claus. Making a checklist who's naughty, who's nice. Giving out coal and sulfur. They don't see him as the God of mercy and deliverance and grace and loving kindness and joy. But sometimes when we're put in stocks and under the worst circumstances possible. And we are praying. 
and we are singing hymns, everything changes. When I was in high school, I watched my mom go through the most tremendous, terrible trial of her life. It's one that we've kept secret as a family. Nobody knows, and I'm never allowed to tell. But no woman should ever have to go through what my mom went through. It was horrid. It was dark. It was terrible. She was trapped. It was a bad, bad place. And I didn't know about the trial for a really long time. And because I didn't know why she was reacting the way she was reacting, I was angry with her. And... You know, I lived in the house, but I wasn't respectful like I should have been. And one day I found out what she was going through. And I went running up to her room to tell her I was sorry. And she was on her knees praying for me, interceding for me, praying not that God would spank me because I deserved that, but that God would bless me, that I would walk with Jesus, that I would know him and love him. I got on my knees and I just knelt down next to her. I put my arm on her shoulder and just said, I know, I know. And she looked at me and said, I never wanted you to know. This has nothing to do with Jesus. He loves you so much. That's what she did in her prison. She prayed for others fervently. And you know what? The chains fell off in my life. My heart was set free. The prison doors were open for me because she chose in her prison to pray for others and to sing hymns and communicate the goodness of the Lord even in hard, hard, tough times. Now, as we know, the jailer rushes in. He's about to commit suicide. You know, he's like, I can't take this. You know, he's not even in the stocks, but he knows that others are going to kill him because of what happens to the prisoners and if the prisoners are free. And he just assumes, man, if I had an open door like that and I was in that terrible prison, I'd run free. Here's a mutiny. He's responsible for it. He takes out a sword and he's about to kill himself. And Paul cries out, do yourself no harm. Could you do that? This is the guy that put you in the innermost parts of the prison. This is the guy who's responsible for the place you're at, put you in stocks. They didn't tell him put these prisoners in stocks, put them in the innermost. They just said secure them, but he's going to go the extra mile. I mean, I'd be like, do it. Plunge it deep. (laughs) Feel that pain. No. Isn't that how we are so much? I don't want to stop you. Go ahead. Do as you feel led. You don't know. He cries out, do yourself no harm. There's no vengeance. There's no need to get even. Do yourself no harm. This is it. The jailers heard who God is. Remember the prisoners heard, the jailer heard. He's heard these men 
praying, interceding. He's heard these men singing about who God is and he runs in, gets on his knees and says, what do I have to do to be like you? What must I do to be saved? And here's the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your whole household. It's amazing. What do you have to do? Believe. What else? Nothing. Believe. Everything comes from believing. Remember how Jesus said? It starts like a mustard seed. This is faith. You believe. It's so small. I'm just believing in Jesus. Yes. That he died for me. Yes. That I'm a sinner. Yes. All right. And you take that seed of faith in and then faith does the rest, doesn't it? Faith and the word of God will do the rest. They'll become the tree in you that will start bearing fruit. And Paul even begins to tell him about that fruit. Your whole household is going to be saved. This is what happens. You just believe and God will take over and do the rest for you. He'll he'll ground you in his word. He will put you in fellowship. He will sanctify you and get rid of the sin. He'll do it all. You just believe. Just know what you know about God. Know what you know and just believe it and receive it. The rest will happen. Don't we complicate it so much? When they came to Jesus in John chapter 6 and they said, what must we do to do the work of God? Jesus said this, believe on the one whom God has sent. And what else? Believe on the one whom God has sent. This is the work of God. This is the labor. Believe. And everything flows from believing in the Lord. And we can see the fruit immediately in this man's life. He changes from one who put men in stocks and punished people and put them in the darkest, awful place. He now is the man who brings people out of prison from a man of no mercy to a man of great mercy, from a man who punished to a man who heals. And he begins to wash to wash their their sores and where they've been beaten. He puts food before them and he feeds them and takes them into his house. He is baptized. This is something incredible. He says, I'm going to be fully identified with you men. That's what baptism was. It was a full identification. He said, I'm going to be identified with Jesus Christ and with you men. Whatever happens to you is now going to happen to me. He must have been so relieved in the morning when the magistrate sent these officers to his house saying, oh, go ahead and let those men go free. He's like, they're off the hook. They're safe. But Paul is concerned about this jailer. And he says, oh no, not so quickly. I want those magistrates to give me a personal apology because Silas and I are both Romans. And they beat us and threw us into prison, uncondemned, untried, and every Roman." Every Roman, by law, should receive a fair trial. You know, we were talking in group. Why did Paul pull the Roman card then and not in the riot before he got beaten? He did it to save others. Paul wasn't interested in saving himself. He did it to save the jailer and to protect the church in Philippi. Later we find that this church in Philippi, in the book of Philippians, we find that they became, and 2 Corinthians, Paul brags about this church in Macedonia. He says that these Philippians gave beyond 
themselves. That they were known for giving themselves first completely to the Lord and then to others for the sake of Jesus Christ. Look at that fruit. He says of this church that they cared about the people in the fellowship. Epaphroditus was one of their own. And they were worried about him because they heard he was sick. And he prayed to live just so the Philippians would have joy. The epistle written to the Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. In that epistle, Paul commends them in again and again and again for their love, for their concern for him, for their constant giving. They became the supporters of, the supporters of Paul in his ministry. That's what they, they did. What fruit came from that prison? You know, all of us are in a prison of some time. I don't know what your stocks are. The things that are making it so you can't relax, you can't sit down, you can't get comfortable, what those things are. I don't know what the stench is. I don't know what the prison is. I don't know what the bars look like. I think it's individual for each one of us, those things that are weighing so hard on us. But let me say this, this time is not the time to go introspective and to find out what you're doing wrong. Mm -mm. Because you've done so many things wrong, where do you start? Yeah, you got annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, you had a fight with Barnabas. Yes, you did. Yes, you misjudged John Mark. Yes, you did. Yeah, you know, you concluded that this was the will of the Lord. And maybe you should have waited a little longer before setting out immediately. Maybe so. But you know what? That's not what God's interested in. He's going to do the work that he wants to do. This is the time to go God-focused. This is the time to start rehearsing who God is and all that he's done. The person of God. And it's the time to begin to intercede for others. To pray for others to pray for their salvation, to pray for their protection, to pray for their deliverance. Perhaps Paul was praying for Lydia and her household, that they wouldn't be hurt by what had happened to them, that they wouldn't be caught by the right. And what do we know? We know that the church of Philippi began to thrive, that it was protected, that God did work. So God will work. There will be a time of deliverance. There will be great fruit. There will be the earthquake. And it, it happens so suddenly. I mean, we could get so used to the stocks after a while. Okay, this is the way life is now. And all of a sudden, there's an earthquake. And all of a sudden, the, the things that held us, they're gone. And all of a sudden, the prison doors swing wide open. There will be that time. But you're not going to run out of there. You're going to go, this is so incredible. This jailer needs to be saved. God's going to bring you into favor. But while you're in this place, intercede. Sing hymns. I have a friend named Dawn. She's got MS. And she's, she's had it for years. She was the top nurse down in San Diego County. She's one of my favorite people in the world. She looks like Snow White. 
And she's just a beautiful, beautiful woman. In fact, it's her husband's second marriage. And I remember when I first met Don, I went, well, obviously he went for beauty. You know, I because I'm one of those people that prejudges sometimes. And then I got to know Don and I was like, no, Dwight is a great guy. He went for the works, you know, because she's just so godly, so sweet. And she was working and she was the head of the department of nursing that she was at. And her hands felt tingly. And she, she knew something was wrong. She was diagnosed with MS. And she went into a prison. She went into a prison of being chronically ill, a time that she was bedridden. And during that time, she chose to pray for others and to rehearse the character of God. And as God began to work in her life and touch her in an extraordinary way, as the chains begin to fall off and prison doors begin to be open, she decided to start a website and to start a Bible study for those who are chronically ill. And she began to write down everything that inspired her, everything that helped her through the darkest times of her illness. And she said, Cheryl, because, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her. So was it nutrition? She's like, yeah, well, nutrition's part of it. Was it exercise? You know, because I'm so into my vitamin Cs and I'm realizing that all they do is give me fever blisters. But nevertheless, you know, I'm just like, oh, you know, vitamins are not sustaining me. Jesus Christ is. But, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes to the table. In fact, I even fasted my vitamins for a week just to show the Lord I do trust him more than my vitamins. But anyway... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking her all these things and she's like, yes, that's important, but that's not the most important. Yes, that's important, but that's not the most important. She said, the most important thing is to intercede for others and to worship the Lord for who he is and what he's done. She said, it has a way of lifting you beyond your illness She said, but Cheryl, the medical community has found a direct link between praying intercession prayer and worship with healing. Do you know my friend is now nursing again? It's an amazing story. She's also doing one, no, she's not doing a workshop. She's just going to one leader's league. She's amazing though. But she, she even teaches a Bible study down in San Diego County. God has raised her up because when she was in her prison, she didn't go introspective. She went God focused. It's not about you. I know that hurts, but it's not about you. It's not about the good things you've done. It's not about the bad things you've done. It's not about whether you get it 100% right or 100% wrong. It's about the greatness of our God, what he's already done, what he's going to do, and his goodness and what he wants to do in the lives of others. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. Lord, I know this is a message that you have for this church. Lord, because we've been too introspective. We've been too condemning of ourselves. We've been making it too much about us and not enough about you. So Lord, I pray that you would turn our hearts and our minds towards Jesus Christ. That Lord, this would be all about you 
and all about what you want to accomplish, all about what you have accomplished, all about your goodness, all about your love, all about Calvary. Lord, we thank you for who you are and for your goodness. Lord, we pray that in response to your goodness, your greatness, Lord, that we would again make it all about you and that we would, by your grace, intercede for others who don't know your greatness, your goodness. Lord, work this in us, we pray, by the grace of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. The choice is yours. You can either be self-focused, allowing your trial to consume you, or you can be God-focused, worshiping Him for who He is and what He has done, and allowing Him to lift you beyond your hardship into the comfort and unending joy of His presence. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is When Things Appear to Go Wrong. Once again, our website is graciouswords.com and our toll-free number is 1-800-733-6443. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, Cheryl will begin her teaching in Acts chapter 17 with her message entitled, Unintimidated. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.